everybody and welcome back to season two episode four of go forth the music education talk show i'm summer and i'm owen and today we have eric gabriel and zane kazmarski talking about their musical identities Hi, I'm Eric. And I'm Zane. And this is the Go Forth Music Education Talk Show. Uh, and this is a segment about a musicking identity. Um, we are currently involved in a music education program that uh, is very uh, spiral-based, and we do some uh, creation at the beginning of our program, and we later reflect on it uh, toward the end of our program. Um, so today we are diving into... Uh, sort of a top 10 uh, songs that kind of make up our identity or our creative musicianship. And uh, me personally, I made a list uh, when I was a first year and I have my second one now as a junior. And Zane here, she made a list as a first year as well. Um, and she's not quite yet in the class, but we're just going to be diving in a little bit uh, about my presentation and some of the uh, discussion that we've had and some of the thoughts that Zane might have as well on how our identities uh, intersect with our teaching philosophy. Uh, but first of all, how are you? Oh, I'm just fine. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. The beginning of the semester has been has been nice and a slow transition for me. Has it been okay for you or no? It's pretty much been a full force train for a, me. A but little that's faster. Okay. <laughs> a little faster. Oh, okay. Well, that's the way it goes sometimes. Let's just dive right into it. So. The, the question that I was asking or posing to ask, I suppose, is the following. How do my identities, or I guess musical identities, intersect with my philosophy of teaching? And so to dive into this question, the first thing that I uh, wanted to look at was, of course, the list that I made when I was a first year, so about two and a half years ago. Uh, and I'm not going to go through the whole list. I might mention a couple tunes and a couple bands that influenced me. But the main idea is that I have been given music my whole life by other individuals. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think a lot of other people have, you know, feel that way as well, that a majority of their playlists were created by the influence of other people, and you know, why they listen to things is because others listen to those things as well, and they say that they're good. Um, I had this conversation with a couple other people in our major, and uh, they felt the same, is that a bunch of their music came from their family, maybe their parents, uh, primarily mine came from my dad, my brother, and my sister. Um, how about you? Like a lot of your, you know, when you were younger, a lot of your music was, was it formed by your family, your friends or something? Um, I think when I was really young, yeah, a lot of my music came from my parents and things. Um, but as I kind of got into more of high school stuff, it was a lot more of what I was performing that was, oh, okay. um, that was influencing my musical taste, uh, so that's where I got a lot of my personal I, musical identity things for my first year um, list that I cultivated. And your voice, right? So you, so that was a lot of like choir stuff. Yeah, it was a lot of choir stuff. A lot of other stuff that I had listened to growing up too, but um, pretty much mostly choir pieces and 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 musical theater pieces that I enjoyed singing. Yeah, that's a lot of a lot of what I had my first year as well because I was also I was also into choir and I was doing some musical theater. Um, but that was just my first list. My list now is, is more updated with um, music that I listen to more regularly that isn't choir or musical theater stuff. Um, so on my first list was a lot of like punk rock, a lot of Blink-182, 
a lot of Green Day, uh, a lot of Less Than Jake, which is some ska, and then my brother's band when we were younger um, was called the Flabbercasters, and uh, a lot of that took up my, my, my top ten. So it, it was really based in nostalgia my first year because it was a whole bunch of stuff that I, that I had been told to listen to and that whenever I listened to it, it was, it was just, you know, I, I liked it, but it wasn't new. You know, right. it wasn't something that I had discovered uh, on my own. Right. So listening to it as a first year, I suppose it, it gave me a lot of nostalgia and made me feel youthful. Um, but reflecting on that now is, is I can, I can feel that, you know, I, I still feel nostalgia for those songs, of course, but they're, they're less on my top 10 list list that I, I listen to now, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I think mine, my, my first year list is also quite similar, but almost in a different way. Uh Um, I think yours was really influenced by your family. Mine was influenced by performance. Mm -hmm. So I had a lot of nostalgia, of thinking of the last time that I got to perform a particular piece or the first time that I got to perform a particular piece. Okay. Um, or even just as simple as the learning of a particular piece for me was really what kind of put them into the top ten list initially. Yeah. That I don't necessarily... I really don't think that they would fit into my top ten at this point. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting. It's not necessarily a top ten list of what we... It's not like a good playlist, I would say. I wouldn't yeah. call these a good... I, I mean, they're all good individually, but I wouldn't call this a good playlist to throw on um, when, when you're casually listening to music, I think. Um, instead, it's more of, of, of who you are, and, and that's not so much what I want to get into. Uh, I don't want to get into how each song is who I am, because that's a whole separate thing, and I think that that would do better with a, a visual presentation. Um, but instead, just a reflection on how this top 10 versus that top 10, what do they mean toward my philosophy? Right. Um, but good. I'm glad we share common themes of, of nostalgia and stuff like that. I think that that's super important, especially now, like looking back, you know, that's a big part of reflecting is, yeah. is, is nostalgia. Humans can't get enough of it. So what about now? That was, that was talking about when we were younger, uh, a year or two years younger or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do we look at that, and how do we grow, and how do we make a new one based, of, based off of what we learned? Well, I learned, looking at mine, is that between my old top ten and my new top ten, there was that same theme. There was that same exact thing that was like, I did not choose any of this music on my own. I was like, all, every single one of these things that is on both of these playlists, like the old top ten and the new top ten, were, were songs that were recommended to me, and that I just listened to a bunch, and I liked them a lot. So then I started to think about how that might relate to my philosophy, and I posed a couple questions, and I was like, what motivates me to find new music, and, and why, why do I struggle to explore my own music, or explore music on my own and find new, and, you know, like, there's so many tools out there now, like Spotify's Discover Weekly right. is, a, is a great tool for finding new music, or... Uh, I don't know what is on Apple Music. I primarily use Spotify, but I don't know. Are there are there any others that you use? <laughs> I I pretty much, if I want to find a new piece of music or if I'm looking for something new to put in my ear, I just put on a random playlist. I'll hit oh. shuffle on Spotify, put on a random playlist, and let it play through, and then eventually it starts playing new songs for you that are things that you would be interested in based off of what you've listened oh, no. to. 
but yeah. not things that were in the playlist initially. So then eventually I always end up finding, I'll find that I'll be listening to a play- playlist and I'm like, oh, this isn't something that I've heard before, uh-huh. but I really like it. So then I'll like it on Spotify and then I'll have it forever. So that's a way, oh, that's neat. Yeah. I think I knew that that happened. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'm just unfamiliar with what's in my playlists. Uh, but that's a way that you find new music and you build build onto your playlist. Like, yeah. That. That's cool. Well, and and because you you were talking about how you have this issue of, you know, you only listen to things that people send, play, send you and yeah. then you listen to it on repeat and whatever. Mm-hmm. I find that, again, I have a very similar issue, except it's things that I like, music that I like to listen to. Uh-huh. I go through periods where I will only listen to the, those particular songs okay. for, like, a month or two until it's, like, out of my system. Or, like, stale. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and then, and then I'm, I'm searching for new music, and I'm always like, well, I don't, I don't know what to listen to. And then there's always a period where I don't listen to any music. Yeah. Because then it's like, well, if I can't listen to this and I have nothing new, then what do I listen to? It's tough to f- – yeah, it's tough to find that, that – that- new spark in, in listening to new tunes. Yeah. Yeah, I felt that a lot. I felt that. Like, uh, like hopping in, like hopping in the car and not knowing what to put on because oh. you've listened to all your playlists so often. <laughs> it's the worst. Yeah. That is, that's, that's when I put on the random playlist and just uh, let okay. it play. Yeah. Because then it, you, that's when you get the most time to experience new. I like to, uh, uh going off of the similar thing yeah. is I like to, not even put on playlists that I have made myself uh-huh. and let them play through. I like to find other people's playlists, random, like just totally random playlists mm-hmm. online, and just see what they have on there and see if if they have anything worthwhile or... Yeah, that's interesting. I'm definitely a follower like that when I listen to music. Uh, I, don't think, I don't think there's a dichotomy in leader versus follower when searching for new music, <laughs> um, but I, I do think that if... If I were to, I don't know, fall in, under that dichotomy, I'd be a follower. If somebody tells me that a song is good, I'll listen to it, and I'll also probably think that it's good. Yeah. It's, it's very interesting. Um, but yeah, so connecting that back to the questions that I was asking, what, mo- what does motivate me to find new music, and what will I do when I am a teacher and I need to choose, or, or an ensemble director, and I need to choose repertoire for, for my students? I didn't know. <laughs> I was like, I've done, I, I, we've done a couple repertory projects. Like we've done um, some some repertoire analysis, and we've made really handy charts. I say we, meaning like people in our class have constructed things, right? Uh, and we have rubrics that are designed to choose to choose repertoire, and those are very helpful, and that's great tool. It's it's those are great tools for me. But what do I do when I? You know how do I how do I begin the process, and how do I how do I find confidence in in repertoire for students? Um, so that was a thing that I sat down and I thought about for a while, and I was like, well, I should probably use some of my training to answer this question. Uh, and I decided to basically settle on the fact that uh, we as teachers have a responsibility, and this is how it ties into um, my teaching philosophy. We as teachers have a responsibility to use our biggest resource, which is our students. Yeah. And I feel very strongly that giving autonomy in the classroom or giving agency in the classroom, um, responsibility for students and decision making for the students to choose uh, at least some repertoire 
uh, is absolutely pertinent uh, in in the in the teaching music process. Um, students have great you know great outreach when it comes to things like social justice, uh, social change, what's going on in the world. So it can be a, a great tool for cultural responsiveness, mm-hmm. uh, but it's ultimately just a great way to expand our ears. Right. You know? Working with the Gettysburg Children's Choir with Dr. Talbot and and uh, with Austin Nykirk, uh, she's in France right now. Um, she's the Gettysburg Choir. Uh, she's the college, or sorry, Children's Choir manager. Um, she and Dr. Talbot and I every week we find an opener and a closing song for the students uh, that they like to listen to. We open and close with with like pop songs or jam out songs that that they can relate to and they like to listen to, uh, and occasionally it's helped us kind of influence the way that we choose our repertoire kind of like a music of the day kind of thing like a music of the day thing yeah, yeah. isn't that what um it's what the, we did in musicology right um last semester we would every class period we would have um a, a different student in the class pick a song for us to start the class off with and we'd sit and listen to it make a few they'd make a few comments of why i chose this particular piece today and mm-hmm. And we would have that experience of getting to listen to new music. That was another way that I we kind of expanded our musical knowledge. Yeah, yeah. We listened to what other people had to share, and it was a good way to find some new tunes. Yeah, and you open. Yeah, you're opening your ear to what others have going on. Yeah, which is you know that's like the core. I think that's like the core of building your playlists. Um, but when you know w- when you don't have the confidence to choose new music. Uh, absolutely, going back and using the students as as a, a big resource for for picking rep is is very is imperative to the teaching process. So yeah, I mean, agent giving them agency, providing agency in the, in the classroom, it's great for engagement. It's awesome for uh, you know picking you know researching student interest and finding you know finding input from them, and also using your own guidance to choose you know repertoire that. You know, to, to sift through a little bit, right. you know, be your, be like a, a sift and and catch thing, you know, catch good ideas. You know, maybe sort out some bad ideas and use them as examples as to why they might not be, uh, you know, proper choices for an ensemble or so. Right. So yeah, um, and then also about cultural responsiveness, as I said before, it's about moving forward. It's about using, especially with adolescents, they're fantastic. They're fantastic listeners. And they're fantastic communicators. So they use each other, and they use politics, and they use the news, and that influences a lot of their music taste. Like, uh, who is it? Childish Gambino. Mm-hmm. This is American. Yeah. I mean, bingo, right there. That's a great example. So uh, action, empowerment, creativity in the classroom. All comes from the students. All comes from their, their choices and repertoire. Uh, like I said, use, you know, use, your, use your guidance as, as the teacher. Well, and even if... Um if you don't necessarily want, or if you aren't able to uh, al- allow your students to suggest pieces for you to work on, what another thing that I found really interesting going through my um, high school music experience was mm-hmm. a lot of times if we were like, oh, we are looking for this extra band piece to add to our um, our concert for this this semester. Uh, like you had, like the band director had a slot. Yeah, okay. yeah. There were there would be an opening on mm-hmm. the program for us to do one more piece, and he, he would sit down with us and give us an an option of here's this amount of I have these pieces selected that I'm thinking about doing, mm-hmm. but I still want to hear from you of what 
what you would most like to do out of these options. Okay. And I think that that's like another another way to incorporate that, giving the students the this a, a, a bit of agency in right. picking their their piece because um, the, the students are ultimately going to be the ones that are performing these pieces right and so it's really important that they also connect with it as well as you because you don't want to be doing a piece that you love yes. that your students don't you that's, know yeah that's that's kind of a big fear of mine and that's that's also where this can intersect too yeah is that if I if I really enjoy a piece and it's not something that they're in tune with or that the you know that the community might enjoy, then I clear you know I clearly don't want to do that piece. Right. I don't want that to be on the program. Well, then maybe <laughs> maybe then what what would be something that you could do is you could go back to the drawing board, find similar pieces to the style of piece that you wanted to do, mm-hmm. and then open it up to the students and say, here are these options of pieces that are similar to this piece that I had offered you first, but they may be more geared towards what the students would, would right. be more compelled to enjoy. And then you also have to consider, you, you as the educator have to factor in, like, at what point does it become about learning musical concepts versus performing music as an enjoyable, you know. Right, yeah. And I obvious, obviously and ideally, those two things are always going to intersect. Yeah. And divergent, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, at what point do you know that piece, you know, this piece has these, you know, musical concepts, even though they may not like it, at what point do you have to kind of... Well, and... Like, and for, you know, I don't want to use the word force, but, yeah, you know, include and, it anyway. And sometimes that is just kind of necessary. You are, uh-huh. like, not every concert program is going to have five or six pieces that every single student is going to be in love with and that they're going to be so passionate about that they're going to play it the best that they can or sing it the best that they can. Yeah. Somebody's always going to be like, oh, well, this piece isn't, isn't you know, I don't, I don't like it that much. But... Uh, you just kind of have to say, well, you know, we're gaining a musical experience from this because then yeah. ultimately what they, what, what will eventually happen is they'll look back, they'll hear that piece, you know, three, four or five years down the road and they'll be like, oh, I remember playing that in, in my first year of concert band at, yeah. in high school or, um, you know, my first choir performance was this piece and, and then it'll, it'll still be something that they may not have thought very highly of initially but yeah. they could look back on it and say, well, I'm glad that I, I at least got to learn that piece, if not... Um... Yeah, that is, that's really interesting. That reminds me of when I was in high school and we played Lincolnshire Posey. Uh, and I'm a percussionist, and there was hardly any... For the high school arrangement, there were hardly any percussion parts. And I was like, what? where, where are all the percussion? I don't know where, where all this stuff is. Uh, but then I got to college, and I reflected on that. We, I think we played it last year or two years ago, and we were, uh, we were do- doing the score reading, and I was like, oh, there are so many more percussion parts in the actual score, uh, but I'm glad that I got the experience that was not my favorite, and then something that's much better. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, uh, but that pretty much wraps up my, uh, my list and my presentation, and I'm glad that, uh, we got to share some thoughts on that and share some opinions there, uh, Basically, how um, selecting repertoire, selecting music in my personal playlist and in my repertoire is, you know, it's okay to be based on things that are, or, or people that, you know, recommend music to me. So it doesn't always have to be me going out 
and, uh, and, and searching for, for repertoire on my own, I can use that part of my musical identity to my advantage uh, within the classroom and uh, you know, use students as resources for repertoire selection. Right. Do you have any other thoughts on that? I think it's just important to keep in mind as a, as a teacher, as um, an instructor, as an ensemble leader that at the end of the day, you know, not every piece is going to mm-hmm. please everybody right. and you ultimately have to make the decisions that you think will best fit the ensemble. Right. So whether it be something that you know, the students are absolutely enthusiastic about, or if it's just something that you think would give the students the musicianship that they need to continue to grow and move forward with their musical abilities. At the end of the day, music is music. So music is music. I like that a lot. (laughs) That's cool. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Go Forth, a music education talk show. This was Summer. And this is Owen. We hope to see you next week. And until then, go Go forth forth and and change change the the world. world. This week's episode was hosted by Eric Gabriel and Zane Kazmarski. We hope you enjoyed, but until next time, go forth and change the world.